Hi, I'm Shantae Cross. I'm the owner and operator and psychotherapist and life coach of CNC Counseling and Coaching. And this is the podcast, The Room for Growth. In The Room for Growth, we will discuss all things mental health, wellness, and lifestyle. Those things are are woven together. If our lifestyle is in shambles, then our mental health is also going to be in shambles and we will see very little room to actually implement wellness practices. So those three things are near and dear to my heart. And so I will share my opinion um, on those particular topics as well as some of the things that are occurring in our world today that negatively or maybe even hopefully positively impact, again, our mental health, wellness, and our lifestyle. Today, there are a couple of topics on the docket. Um, I would like to discuss the um, epidemic of loneliness in the United States, as well as branching out more globally, the issues that are occurring and issues is putting it very lightly um, throughout the world, um, the global and I'm struggling to find a word to use to describe it, Um, genocide, war, those things that are happening across the world that again are negatively impacting our mental health and our wellness. So I guess starting with loneliness, the US Surgeon General back in May put out a report on loneliness in the US. 8% of Americans are reporting that they have no close friends, no one that they can really call on for support. In my practice, when I'm talking with clients, the first, one of the first things that I ask them is, well, who are your supports? Support is, it's very important in our success and our mental health and our wellness, not necessarily because they do anything for us. I think one of the downsides of America specifically is, you know, networking. You know, if your friend isn't helping you grow, then why do you have them? If your friend isn't talking about money and investments, why do you have them? You have them because emotionally and mentally you need to have people in your life that you can just spend time with, that you can talk to about good things and bad things. So if you're looking at your friends as a step up, as an investment, then they're not really your friends. And America's epidemic in loneliness, I think, is strongly tied to this pull yourself up by your bootstraps, this being independent, you know, doing things on your own. That's not how human beings work. Human beings need people in their lives. And so once you start cutting off other people, you open yourself up to major health and mental health issues, physical health and mental health issues. The Surgeon General reported, and forgive me, I'm going to read, that being isolated, aka lonely, can lead to premature death. Um, 29% will suffer heart disease. 32%, I'm sorry, I can't read my own handwriting. Stroke. (laughs) Sorry about that. 32% will suffer stroke. And for older adults, 50% will suffer dementia. Those are major health issues that, again, will bring your life to an end. And thinking about the mental health side, it will lead to depression. It will lead to anxiety. And so building those relationships is very important. 
I often recommend, because unfortunately, again, I, I have clients that struggle to make connections. I have clients that will, again, say, yeah, we, I have a friend, but I can't talk to them. I have a friend, but I don't want to burden them. My question is, are they really your friends? No, you don't want to be the bearer of bad news. No, you don't want to be the Debbie Downer of the group. But when life gets hard and you can't talk to them, why are they your friend? It, that doesn't make sense to me. I personally communicate with my friends <laughs> and a couple of them will probably say I only have bad things to say lately <laughs> and I try not to do that but I, I do I reach out to my friends when I'm having a hard time I reach out to my friends when I want to celebrate something I reach out to my friends to bounce ideas off of it just helps to kind of get my brain going it helps me to know if I'm moving in the right direction or not and it's not that they're making these choices for me they are my sounding boards. These are people that I trust. These are people whose opinion I trust. So again, if I couldn't do that, why would I call them my friends? I usually recommend to clients to start branching out into areas of their own personal interest. If you don't currently have friends, if you don't currently have people in your life that you can enjoy life with, then start going to places where you have interests. And then there will be other people there who share the same interest. And so you can start making conversation. You can, And it should be easier because, again, you're doing things that you enjoy and you're both in the same place. So if you enjoy outdoors activities, you join a group that's going hiking. I'm not a hiker going up that hill. It takes the air out of me, so I'm not going to be one that talks <laughs> during a hike. But there may be some who do. So as you're hiking up that hill, you know, just sparking conversation, Oh, you know, I, I like that backpack. It looks really cool. Where'd you get it? And that's a conversation. Um, if you're a small talk kind of person, oh, you know, it's the view is beautiful um, when you reach the, the peak. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's gorgeous. And then, again, just trying to spark up very general conversation. All relationships start with proximity. So if you're in the same place at the same time, it just makes it easier to connect. So if you're going multiple times again you join this outdoor group this time they're going on an urban hike you join that next week they're going to a local park or garden you join that and so the more times you see them the easier it becomes to spark that conversation so it's just really sad that our culture again in america is so individualistic and it creates so many issues, again, mental as well as physical health concerns, because we're taught consistently that we, you know, again, have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We have to do all these things on our own. Our culture is so big on growing up and then moving out. And then after you move out, you move away. And that, again, creates a sense of isolation. In, back in the day, <laughs> historically, people rarely left their hometown. <clears throat> and that created a sense of community. It created a sense of people knowing each other. Um, it has its pluses and its minuses. Yes, everyone knew your business, but because everyone knew your business, they cared about you and they checked on you. And you know, if things were going rough, they helped you. It wasn't, oh, I don't know that person. Now people can live in the same neighborhood for 20 years and not speak to their next door neighbor, which is ridiculous. And again, it's creating this sense of isolation that's creating these mental health issues. Mental health issues <laughs> on a global scale um, 
the the conflict in again Palestine slash Israel, depending on what side of the aisle you're on, um, the genocide that are, that's taking place, and I do feel comfortable calling a genocide and ethnic cleansing in Palestine, in the Congo, <clears throat> the conflict in the Sudan, where I think, and maybe it's just me and again the people that I've worked with, people are seem to be so tuned in and so aware of what's happening in the world today. And because we are aware, again, it causes mental health concerns and wellness concerns. Some will tell you to, you know, turn off social media, turn off the TV, disconnect. I am not one of those people. <clears throat> if you are experiencing extreme mental health concerns because of it, if you're having suicidal ideations, if you're having homicidal ideations, then yes, you need to disconnect. And only so that you can get control of yourself, so that you can seek the help that you need to get that particular issue resolved. If it's just uncomfortable, do not turn off your television. Do not turn off the social media. You must engage and you must do something. When working with people who have anxiety, one of the things that brings some people with anxiety a sense of comfort is the feeling of control, the feeling of doing something. It can go to the extreme because those with severe anxiety will try to control everything and everyone. That's not helpful. <coughs> Excuse me. That's not helpful. But what I try to encourage them to do is look at what they can control and separate that from what they can't control. What you can control in this situation is looking at what you can do to help those in need. Writing a letter to your congressperson about, excuse me, specifically thinking in Palestine a ceasefire. Um, if there's a charity that's helping anybody in these, again, particular conflicts, giving what you can to charity. I was working with someone who works with children, and if she felt it was appropriate, if her job thought it was appropriate, don't want anyone to lose their job behind trying to be caring and supportive. But if it's acceptable, have, you know, the, the children, you know, create cards and, and send care packages to children that are caught in these conflicts. You know, there are things that we can do. And it feels like it's so big, so heavy, that we as individuals, again, can't do anything. And so, again, that creates that sense of, you know, things being out of control because there's nothing, there's nothing that you've recognized that you can do, but there are things that you can do. And so doing those things and continuing to do them will give you a sense of purpose. It will give you a sense of, I am doing something. I, as one person, can have an impact. And so you do that. Again, if you're experiencing severe mental health issues, suicidal ideations, homicidal ideations, disengage, reach out for mental health support, get the help that you need. For someone, again, who's feeling a little anxious about it, feeling a little down about it, who's feeling, what can I do, what can I do, what can I do, do something. Write your, again, your congressperson. Give money to charity. Um, again, if you have the ability, send some form of support to those in need. That will give you a sense of purpose. 
that will help you to kind of ease your mind about your place in the world at this time dealing with these particular conflicts. Do not run away. It's not going to help. Therapists know that avoidance is a maladaptive coping strategy. We run when things feel uncomfortable. We run when things feel insurmountable. <clears throat> but it does not solve the problem. So in our day-to-day -day lives, thinking about, you know, I don't know, tasks at work. If you're thinking about all the things that you have to do at work, you run away from it, eventually you have to come back, and it's all still sitting there waiting for you. Same thing in these global conflicts. You run away, you cut off the TV, you shut down social media. If you decide to come back to social media, if you decide to come back to the TV, it's all still going to be there. Even if you close your eyes, these atrocities are still happening. So instead of running, instead of avoiding, take a look at what you have control over, separate it from the things that you don't have control over, do the things that you have control over. And those are my thoughts. <laughs> so the world is a mess, has been for a very long time. Um, I was watching on social media and someone had referenced someone else's video in regards to how to cope during times of, of world crises. And that person in the video was saying just that, shut down social media, cut off TV, you know, disengage, focus on yourself. And again, you know how they do in social media. One person, you know, is commenting on another person's video. Well, the person that was doing the commenting was saying, well, this is how atrocities happen. This is how atrocities go un unnoticed. And I put that in air quotes because it's truly not unnoticed. It's chosen. They choose to not notice because it's happening. We know it's happening. And so choosing to turn a blind eye, choosing to disengage. You are complicit. So going back to mental health and wellness, feeling complicit will cause mental, mental health harm as well. So being as active as you can be, again, based upon what's safe for you, and I know that sounds bad when I'm talking about not being complicit, not turning a blind eye. But I am aware that not everyone will want to fly a plane head on into conflict and, <laughs> and you know, go to war. That is not necessarily the best answer. But doing what's within your power, writing your congressperson, donating to charities, you know, clothing drives, food drives, whatever you can actually do, and then get it over to those who need it. That will, again, provide a sense of purpose, a sense of control. And you're not standing by while people are being hurt, while people's lives are being torn apart. Anyway, that is my time. Again, this is Shantae Cross, the owner and operator of CNC Counseling and Coaching. And thank you for coming into the room for growth. <laughs>